Moving on today's episode, we'll be talking about Umbrella Academy Season 2, Episode 1. The season was just released yesterday, as of recording this, and uh, we both watched the first episode, which is a little bit different than we normally do on this show, but because we'd both seen the first season, and we'll both probably see the entirety of this season, we decided to go ahead and both watch it. Right, but you did the research. I did a little bit of research on the side to throw in some facts on the side in case uh, people wanted to know some interesting things, but I'll try to retain the an- anonymity without spoiling too much about what's coming up later in the seasons. Like I won't be diving into the comic books, yeah, which okay. these are based on. Yeah. yeah. So one thing I will say is that this was a show that was created for TV by Steve Blackman. You'll see his name at the beginning of every single episode. And it takes a pretty different route from um, Gerard Way and Gabrielle Baugh's comic. Uh, They produced for Dark Horse Comics, who've also done things like Hellboy, The Mask, uh, Sin City. So pretty famous stuff. Yeah, but those were their own creators that made those comics versus they've also done things where they've taken movies like Star Wars and I, oof, there's other ones. But yeah, like, I, I know what you're talking about. I made it like kind of a graphic novels and those type of things. Yeah, the Avatar Last Airbender, they also did it with that as well. Yeah. I so they'll get like really famous names. Yeah. Three issues for that one? For, the, for that one, yeah, I think so. Cool. So this episode specifically was called Right Back Where We Started. And I will, I think that's a true to its name. Like the, yeah, it's on the nose. Um, much so. yeah. Much like its song choice. Because whenever they do songs in this show, which... I am a fan of, but I know some people find that there's too many famous songs. Well, yeah, I I remember in the first season, it was like every single episode, they choose one incredibly famous song. And I'm talking incredibly famous, like Queen, uh, you know, and like really famous bands. In this one, though, in this first episode, they had more than just one famous song. They used a couple, except like Crazy by Gnarls Mark Lee was a, uh, was a cover. It was a cover, but did you like the cover? Yeah, the cover was fine, especially for the scene that it worked in. Yeah, the scene it was in was in the uh, Insane Asylum, yeah. where he was in a straitjacket in one of those padded rooms in Diego. the 1960s. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they play crazy. So again, it's kind of on the nose with yeah. what's going on. Right. When someone's running, they play uh, Run Boy Run or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the creative thing I think about the first scene, though, was that it played out like a freaking Avengers movie. Yeah, no, this, the, the first, I'll say this, the first 10 minutes of the episode, I watched and I was like, this is the best that Umbrella Academy has just ever done. Okay, like, well, they definitely heightened it to yeah. a VFX that you haven't seen before. Yeah, it was crazy. But it was scene. also definitely drawing parallelisms between other famous things. Like they made a Terminator joke. There was the Avengers joke, yeah. which was well done really because well usually done. most TV shows don't get that sort of well, budget. And also, yeah, this this had an insane budget. $2 and, for yeah, that no. whole scene. <laughs> but like also just the fight scene in general was just incredibly cool to see. Like, I mean, it's how they start yeah. off. And like, it's not only the fact that it was just cool action that you get to watch, but it's also telling you like a ton of stories. Like they all come into different storyline or different timelines. I mean, without fanboying too out on the scene, yeah. y- y- the part where Diego kind of flips in the air in slow motion and dodges all the bullets like you can go heavy on slow motion in a tv show and everybody's seen it in action shows specifically where they really uh use that to their disadvantage because it just makes people kind of yawn and movies as well yeah yeah but this was more like say the x-men scene where they slow motioned it and everybody was really happy with how they showed quicksilver's character yeah that was a pretty epic 
twist in the air and however they were able to shoot it. And I did write down the name of the guy who is in charge of their VFX for at least season one. And he had some interesting things to say in an interview that he did a while back. It's VFX supervisor Everett Burrell. And you know how they, in the first season, had an ape character who was played Pogo, who was the monkey oh, kind right, of butler, yeah, yeah. but he was also the Hargreaves, like, right, yeah. assistant. He, he was the one who died in the finale, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, he also was a character that was CGI'd using the same type of technology and people behind Planet of the Apes. I, w- I would think so, yeah. He looked yeah. very realistic. Yeah, they didn't spare. Part of the reason Netflix is throwing so much at this is because it's their third highest rated show or highest watched show in 2019. I remember when it came out, it like either beat or was close to Sex Education, which also got a ton of viewership. Uh-huh. So I and know I know that. in some states when they released, because Netflix is usually pretty closed off about their exact numbers, but they did say what state to state uh, their people's favorite TV shows were. And Umbrella Academy had at least three or four, yeah. if not more. Yeah, this thing was incredibly popular when it first came out. So. Uh, uh, just throw some interesting facts about this uh, VFX guy, though. He, uh, he, you know, with number five when he's traveling through time, which he <laughs> right, tends yeah. to do, and he definitely did in this episode, yeah. as well as the other characters, they like to do this jelly vision where it's kind of like you're permeating a membrane in the world and time itself and sticking your hand through it, kind mm-hmm. of like if you're sticking it through jelly, yeah. and then it kind of pops, and then you, that's that's how the characters end up in these different places. Yeah. And, and in this like season, yeah. if you remember in the first season, number five shows up in modern day times as a kid again, Yeah, even though he's aged like 60 yeah, years. He's, yeah, he's old. And he says we have a few days or, or maybe a little bit of time until this apocalypse is going to begin. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of similar to the comic book uh, apocalypse violin thing that they they were doing in, in their story as well. Yeah. But this, <clears throat> this storyline takes place in the 60s, but it's kind of the same... Um, you know storyline yeah. because this whole thing of right back where we started as the title's episode it's it's introducing almost the same type of uh, uh path that all the characters are going to have to follow except now they're all separated yeah and it's usually like a year difference or at least months difference depending on the characters mm-hmm. and where they are so in this episode we'll talk about how the first person we see separated was in 1960 and this is where i was immediately drawn back to Endgame when Captain America and Robert Downey Jr., right, got blasted back to their Avengers, their first yeah, fight, their first, and yeah. they were in, like, this back alley. That's what the alley reminded me of when yeah. Klaus and the, Ben got dropped Every there. Every character got dropped in the same alley at the same place, just different times. Yeah, it so. was Commerce and Knox, and it was in Dallas, Texas, and it was funny because the as the characters got dropped every six months or a year mm-hmm. from 1960 to 1963, um, there was this guy who was like taking pictures and the cameras kept getting better that were on the side of the building because more strange events were happening. Right, so yeah. you'd see the technology increasing at that side of the building trying to catch everybody coming in. And by the end, he, there was this like uh, TV uh, salesman who was really caught up in this conspiracy about what these people were doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because now they're looping in some of the things that they did in the first season where they just hinted at number five being part of the JFK um, assassination or trying to stop it. But now they're actually going to be 
doing that. Yeah, it's very yeah. They like the first thing Diego sees as he falls into the alleyway when he walks out is a television screen, and it's JFK giving a speech, and his storyline is basically him wanting to stop the JFK assassination from happening. Yeah, and if you remember where we left it from the last season, spoilers for season one, they had just stopped or they had actually created the apocalypse. Um, by not stopping Ellen Page's character Vanya from blowing up the moon. Yeah, and she, she yeah, and then like, and when they they were able to escape just in time as the place. Mm-hmm. Completely... And again, the VFX guys said that that was actually their hardest shot that they did. I would imagine, yeah, it was the very last shot. So. Yeah, well, they had a couple things that they they did interesting things with number five's chase scene with Hazel and his partner. Remember in the first season, and then they also had him when he was skipping through time right. until he got to the future that I thought would be pretty hard to shoot as well, the yeah. apocalypse. But one of the main differences that we saw right at the get-go was that because there was this difference in time for every character, that there was an amazing amount of uh, character development that is off-screen that we don't get to see, that we kind of are just thrown into. And that I liked because yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah. it was almost like basically you know in those movies where they have like big budget movies like Avengers Endgame where they have a ton of build up and then you get the build up and then you get like the real big action scene like they cut out the build up they cut out kind of the planning scene you just saw the action scene and then from the action scene and from however long these characters were in that timeline you got to see where they were which added to the character development yeah you did get a brief glimpse of them from last season and then you got an immediate twist to where they are now and then they did try to fill in the blanks a little bit they gave every character their background story but not they, they they didn't give too much away so for luther for instance like he's now a fighter for jack ruby kind of part of the mob and that is completely different than what he was in the first season where he was stuck at home kind of wanting to be a hero and right now he doesn't really give a crap about right, being he, a hero he does not care at all yeah i did find the scene where he jumped through time at the very beginning and they dropped him and the hobo next to him yeah, started that, screaming that was Allison. Yeah. yeah yeah that was very funny the humor in this is well placed it reminds me in that way of preacher not the that well i guess i could draw also the comparison that he, uh, heroes and preacher are not perfect oh, the people yeah, with no. superpowers are mortal but they also have uh, plenty of reasons why they're like, broken. <laughs> there was one funny thing that happened near the end of the episode because Luther and number five meet. And I'll just say this. There was an ADR line that was so obviously ADR. Oh, uh, really? He's not even moving his lips, Luther, at all. I even huh. wrote it down. Because I didn't even notice it. It was, yeah, it was, I mean, it was only one line, but, like, the tone in which he was speaking and then that line was thrown in did not fit at all, so I found that funny because it was pretty obvious, but except for that, like... You thought the editing was okay other than that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing about, like, grittier mortal superheroes that I want to bring up, uh, like, we seem to have a lot of those in our culture now because, and not only from these comic books, but as we talked about with Hellboy and Sin City, it seems to be... Uh, and, and things like Kick-Ass, even. Right, yeah. You have a ton of superheroes, and they're not, like, clean-cut and able to fight off anything. Or even, like, X-Men characters, where at the end of the day, everything's going to be all right. Right, yeah. yeah. You, 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 just... you have things like The Boys, and then you have Doom Patrol, or 
even Misfits, which obviously Richard um, Robert Sheen. Robert Sheen was in. Yeah. yeah I, the thing is, is that um, I think that superhero movies have definitely saturated the market so much in which that people are like, okay, mostly since, Marvel. Yeah, and since Marvel kind of had these light, funny movies, a lot of people decided to go the opposite route, like DC, yeah. which well, just decided to do deep, dark movies. And then when they saw that wasn't working out, they were like, oh, we gotta switch up our thing. Yeah. So this has a lot of comedy, but it also has a lot of like self. Uh, tragedy or self like uh, destruction yeah that goes internal on. struggles for yeah. each character so I like that people like that Diego's character was a little bit more true to his comics at least in this first episode apparently he's a bit crazier than we saw in the first season in in the comics oh, okay and so. uh, and we definitely see that here one thing I didn't understand is how he got locked up because if he's able to dodge eight bullets at a time from super from from like assassins then how would he not be able to evade the police like it just didn't it seemed a little odd that way but at the same time i understand that they are true power abilities only come out when they're really really trying yeah when they really maybe he just hasn't been trying maybe yeah. yeah but and he like ends up having a cool fight scene i thought with the three people that end up the three villains kind of the episode that end up starting out shooting hazel who was a character that we got to know in the first yeah season. so when number five gets dropped last in 1963 the late latter part because both vanya and diego also find themselves dropped in 1963 but earlier parts of that year um by the time that number five does, the apocalypse has basically already begun. The Russians, sorry, yeah, it was the, the Russians. Yeah, sorry, it was the Russians. Uh, come in and they're just nuking the place, basically. And then who shows up right in right when the siblings are basically calling number five to come over and help them fight it? But Hazel from, but old Hazel. The old Hazel, yeah. Yeah, he's all he's all white haired and he's had a full life with Agnes, Agnes who we yeah. remember from the first season as the waitress that he falls in love with. His partner is nowhere to be seen. Did she die in the first season? Uh, I was trying to remember that, but yeah. I wasn't sure. Um, well, anyways, he has the suitcase with him and he takes number five to the ten days beforehand. Um, to try and gather the whole of the siblings so they could stop the apocalypse before it literally yeah. just starts. And that guy is a fun character to watch, as well as I think he's just a good actor. He also is in Mindhunter, and he plays one of the most notable um, serial killers, uh, Ed Kemper. So he's n- not new to acting. This isn't his only yeah. gig. Um, that said, number five's journey then is not to stop Klaus and Ben from falling into 1960 or Allison from falling into 1961 where as an African-American woman she is now faced with racism yeah uh, people from the 1960s or Luther when he falls into 1962 he's basically just 10 days earlier so some of the characters like if you were to calculate their ages would all be mixed up especially if you take into account that Klaus was sent back to Vietnam in the first season and fought like in that war before jumping back to the present. Right. Yeah. So he's been he's been through a lot yeah, as a well. Lot, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Klaus's character is is still a bit of comic relief though because he steals that truck and he also what? 
Do you want to talk I about wanna, something I else first? Go to, I want to keep on going about the Hazel thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's talk I about guess, Hazel. Well, I just want to say that, like, I don't know a lot of shows that, like, even after the intro of the first season, all right, like, kill off a character that we've gotten to know so well. Within the first 10 minutes after that huge fight scene and Hazel dies and it was, like, really, like, intense, I was thinking to myself, this could be, like, one of the best episodes of any TV show I've ever seen. Like, there was so much happening within these first 10 minutes. It ended up slowing down and it was still a good episode. Um, and I, but I was like, it, really it has an 8.7 on IMDb, which is good, but not as good as say some uh, uh, like yeah, Game of Thrones episodes or Breaking Bad, where mm-hmm. they're up in like the high nines. Yeah, so. there were some complaints that the story slowed down after the first scene, but how could it I, not? Yeah, it needed to. Yeah, you need it, to know where all the characters were. And, and even if you're sitting there and you're like, well, I really wish that this is a constant barrage of like explosions and that we get character development in the same fashion where it just appears you're really not enjoying a show at that point it would be strictly like the comics where you're just looking at a frame of a picture right. of, of crazy stuff happening and, and i'm sure that by the finale just what we saw from the first 10 minutes there's going to be a lot of that anyways so now, now one of the can we switch to the people or do you yeah no, no we, can, we can switch to okay so with let's start with vanya's instead so vanya gets smacked back right after blowing up the moon or being in charge of that and she doesn't remember who she is or at least that's what we're led to believe and uh she's just stuck with a family basically yeah she's stuck with a kid that's name is harlan who doesn't talk and then the dad who's like a salesman who's really into sales carl and then i think the the mom is sissy yeah and she's like smoking on the side and obviously just kind of dealing with the 60 lifestyle but also having to pretend to be the perfect housewife it's not really the most entertaining yeah, of all the I, stories. Yeah, I was going to say, of all the stories, I think this one was probably the least entertaining. Just because, in retrospect, they do cut between the stories. But all that happens in that storyline is you know where Vanya is, but then she ends up uh, hanging out with Sissy for a little while. Yeah, the, the one thing I'll say about Vanya's character, though, is she constantly seems to be either manipulated or brainwiped. Or, like, something yeah. tends to be going yeah. on with her head in every season. And she was thrown in the most recent, October 12, 1963, to the apocalypse only a month later. So at first I thought that she was part of it, like that she had again gone insane. No, and yeah. that, But it doesn't look like it's going to follow that exact track, but who, who could say? The other storyline, of course, was Alice. Uh, we already talked about Allison, didn't we? Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah. the like it just basically was her dealing with racism, and she's, well, I, she's yeah. wanting to uh, her, do sit-ins with uh with like the her the african-american community back in the 60s like they did yeah so i wanted to ask a question so she gets married she's been married for a year by the time we see her again right and she was only dropped in 1961 so that means she got married within Very one year quickly. yeah it doesn't make sense for her character especially if she if she still likes luther like she doesn't know he's dead but to jump on board and get married so quickly There's just a possibility seemed... that she thought that maybe she wasn't going to see any of them again and she wanted to turn her life around. But I see your point. It, it was a very fast turnaround and doesn't necessarily make sense when It would have been fine everything. if she had been, like, dating the guy, but I don't know. It, yeah. it just was kind of strange to see her um, so settled down, and I felt bad for Luther and her storyline because I felt like later on when they meet, what, she's going to just dump her husband for him? Right, it seems yeah. unfair to him. A little bit. Yeah. 
Um, number five remains my favorite character because he's like I guess we get to follow him in this episode mostly. Yeah, we follow. We he's definitely the one that we see the most, and mm-hmm. I think that that was a very smart decision because his power is the coolest. I did like Klaus's storyline because uh, he is all, definitely the comic relief. Album. Yeah, once he once he gets into that poker game and then steals the truck, we can see that he hasn't really matured that much. And he has a everything. huge beard. Yeah, like, yeah, they also hinted at Ben though having more of an impact on like reality because he is a ghost but it seemed like he really wanted to stay in San Francisco for some reason yeah. and I did I did laugh at the part where he brings out Ben because he's trying to steal someone's car keys in a poker game and then Ben's like no actually you can have it and just goes away that yeah. was pretty funny <laughs> I saw that coming but it was yeah definitely funny especially since like you could use ghosts for so many like in the first scene uh, I keep on wanting to call him Nathan Klaus's character <laughs> uh he uses all the Vietnam veterans yeah, that was, to go attack that people. Yeah. And it, was, it was like, yeah, that's it's cool that they're able to make those connections between what they've already shown you as the viewer and still stay true to what you know is his power. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we still don't know why Ben died. And they, I feel like, kept that more of a mystery than they have in the comics. I think Klaus actually died in the comics in the the first season oh, storyline. Wow. Well, I think it's a smart decision to keep him around. Yeah, I, I don't like think Klaus. his story ended. I think he had like an afterlife type thing. Oh, okay. It's similar to with Game of Thrones. Uh, Catelyn's like character returned after dying as a zombie or something. Wow, I didn't know that. Like as a White Walker or just a zombie? No, it was like some sort of like knowing zombie. I don't know exactly <laughs> what happened, but it was. It's considered in one of the later George R. R. Martin books. Yeah, and not the best storyline so when they opted to skip it i don't think too many people were upset um you also might not be seeing the end of old hazel even though he was immediately murdered by those white-haired guys and they seem to be better or scarier villains more intimidating right and they end up i I said they end up attacking diego's uh like safety asylum but he ends up bonding with a girl not bonding exactly but like it's the same relationship as i saw with like in legion when David's character was with Aubrey Plaza's character yeah. and how she was kind of just crazy. Crazy, absolutely and crazy. this girl seems very along those same lines. Yeah. Now, when she pulled out those fight moves against the cops who were trying to stop them, I was like, wait, is she planted here? Like, is she there to help him? Does she have super abilities? And then she's like, no, my mom just taught me. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, okay, that's that's also good. But yeah, they come to shoot, shoot like uh, Diego, right? They come to kill him and then... Yeah, so what do you think the story there is uh, with that? Like... Are they trying to assassinate all the... Um, because they tried to kill uh, number five first, because he, yeah. I assume, is the biggest threat. And then Hazel gave him the bulletproof uh, briefcase, which was able to... No, it wasn't like, bulletproof. Oh, it wasn't? I no, thought they said it was. <laughs> the bull- the brief pre- briefcase, like we learned in season one, allows him to time travel wherever he wants, whenever he wants. But they shot the briefcase, and because of that, you saw those blue yeah. wires jumping out, and it meant that it was broken. I thought and so. Those he was were, swearing, saying like, bulls. "God damn okay. it! I told them to that like fix this." I think. Yeah. I think though that um the three people who looked identical almost, but they weren't uh, with the white hair. Yeah, they're were, like Aryan Nazi yeah. type. I, I think that they're just trying to basically eliminate anyone who can so that the apocalypse can happen. That's my guess, but I, I don't sure. know if they're trying to start the apocalypse or if they're some sort of addition of the group that we saw in the first season because that's what they thought it, um, they were at first. Do you remember who Hazel worked for at the beginning? Yeah. They're called the Commission. Yeah. Yeah, so they may have survived despite the fact that number five blew them up. 
in some form, but it doesn't seem like they are working with the same rules. No, they're they're basically going around and just killing whoever they want. Yeah, it seems in like, in so. the comic books, Hazel is actually a cold blooded like sociopath, like killer, psychopath oh. killer. So they so, made him like nicer for the TV show. Yeah, I don't think that he helps out the characters too much in in the comics. So maybe they're making the show more like the comics in in that these characters are going to represent the evil or villain types because there's no redeeming them. They're the shoot first, ask questions later type policy. The quick thing about Jack Ruby is that Jack Ruby is obviously the guy who shot Lee Harvey Oswald, who shot JFK, and that is who Luther is working for. So it's going to be interesting to see how his storyline suddenly falls into the JFK one, and he should know that, so why is he working for the dude if he knows that it's going to affect that timeline? And Diego also, he got caught by the cops because he was outside Lee Harvey Oswald's house trying to Not only is Diego at this point trying to stop the JFK assassination, he also wants to go back and then kill Hitler. So yeah, and, he, yeah, he he's very much like let's change the world for the better. The thing is though is that like as number five says, says to him, they need like to stop the apocalypse from happening. But he's like kind of blind to that. Yeah. Uh, so. I feel like we're jumping around all over the yeah. episode, but that's okay. Uh, at least for this one, because I assume there's everyone just, who's listened to it has seen every part of it and is kind of just following there's along. There's a lot going on. Speaking of which, though, I do want to say I did like the recap also. I actually didn't see the recap. It oh, didn't play yeah. for me. So I have to go back and watch okay. it. Yeah, well, I'll just say that the recap, it's not your normal Netflix recap. So Nice. Yeah. yeah. I can see that I'm totally putting a lot of effort into it. Yeah. So if you don't know where these uh, people are from because you have never done the Wikipedia search on them, you obviously have Ellen Page from Juno and X-Men. You have Tom Hopper, who plays uh, the big guy. You know, Abe uh, Luther. L- Luther, yeah. Um, and he's from Game of Thrones. He was also in Merlin for a little bit. You had David Cantaneda, who is obviously Diego, and he played. He was in Blind Spot, Jane the Virgin. He he's been in a, a lot of stuff. Even even number five was in some stuff beforehand. He was, yeah, like some kid shows. I think. Yeah, he was in some kid shows. Um, but as a whole, I don't see why you wouldn't see this episode and think, oh, I want to see what happens next. It's it doesn't yeah. it doesn't leave you with kind of the eh vibe it's kind of like i really want to know where this leads and how many episodes is it supposed to be eight or ten do you know i think it's ten i actually didn't see that so it but i think it is between because i think the first season was ten episodes so i think probably second season will be yeah but i know the comics only had like six issues for the first one so it's not a direct connection again yeah so steve blackman's creation is is definitely a little bit different um, I'm trying to think about what else we haven't talked about. We've had uh, Allison, Klaus, and Ben, Luther, Diego, Vanya, number five, Old Hazel, and then Elliot, of course, the crazy guy, uh, the television guy. Yeah. I wonder if he's going to come back into play at all. He could, yeah, maybe. Yeah. The other thing that we saw at the very ending was, um, sorry, uh, Klaus's character getting pulled over by the cops just as Diego and his crazy friend were looking above the car and kind of seeing them being pulled off. So I don't know if we're supposed to know that he knows that Klaus is still there or yeah, not. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I doubt. So far we've seen there. five meet with Diego and five meet with Luther, but yeah. he hasn't found anyone else in the community. And I think right now his and, and that's, presence of mind is to convince and, Luther to help him. And that might be where like people that don't like the episode um, kind of are coming from, because I can understand, and I'm also kind of a little bit in this boat where it's like, 
you kind of don't want to have a season where people keep on meeting each other and then at the end they all come together and fight the villain. Oh, well, that's where this is going. Yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm saying that's that's fine, but like I understand where people are coming from when they say they don't want to see that because it does kind of take a while for the characters to you know meet up in those type of stories and have to like bond and be like, it's oh, where have you Dead's, been? It's and the Walking so, Dead situation. Yeah, where, which, yeah, which they, they break do you up all the time. They break you up at the beginning. They bring you back slowly over time until there's some big climactic. Fight and then at the they end. break you up again. <laughs> season three yeah yeah but for ellen page's character i hope they do more justice for her because right now she's kind of just hanging out and, and her, and her storyline in the first season wasn't that yeah great. from what i read about the comics though in the first season the orchestra that she joins is actually evil it's not that she had like a crazy boyfriend who convinced her to be evil but it was the fact that the entire orchestra itself was going to cause the apocalypse so they added the boyfriend as like a as a you know, device in order to make the rest of the plot make yeah. sense his, his character wasn't that great either so well he played his job well because you weren't supposed to like him yeah yeah and i think he's from places too but he's definitely not in this season because he was murdered i think in the episode eight before. or nine episodes yeah mm-hmm. so yeah if you were to guess where this is going how they're going to bring the russians into this would you even have an idea uh i don't i i'm wondering if they're going to have like a big villain like oh they've already introduced the three the three people but yeah. i mean like you can kind of tell that they're like you know where they're side characters? yeah side characters i don't know most, i i guess i'm wondering if they're gonna have like an actual big villain i read some someone say that they they reminded them of like some sort of swedish mob because yeah. of the way they looked and that just made me laugh because it's like okay yeah, yeah it's definitely the swedes uh i have a couple more just facts before we end this about the vfx coordinator because i found <laughs> that part of the that part was definitely the most interesting yeah oh also do you know how many songs there were in this entire 46 minutes i was guessing guess. like four five try 13 yeah, a third, a thirteen, including like just not actual songs, but like no, background songs. No, they were songs. all. That's the thing. They were all like legitimate songs. Oh, actual songs. Yeah, but some of them were only played for little parts, and that's where it's like, a, how big is Netflix's well, connections with different well, musicals? Well, the, the thing is, it's ten seconds or thirty percent of the song, I think, whichever one is longer. So, or, or thirty seconds, ten percent. It's one of those things. So they might, they didn't necessarily need the song's rights to use only a small part of it, but anything longer. But yeah. because of these songs being so famous, it feels like Netflix was like, let's do eleven seconds of every song just to make us <laughs> pay for just them. Doing it. Yeah. Um, the other thing about the BFX thing was that they had to sh- change the color of the leaves on trees because they shot in the winter in the first season. So I found that interesting and how late people would have to stay up to go change that part of the scene. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. yeah and coloring they, is just, it's very hard to do. Yeah. yeah. And then Steve Blackman, the creator again, wanted all the super powers to be downplayed until the final episode. So I think what they did in the first episode here was the opposite. They gave they you, like, yeah, they gave you their stuff. This is what's going cool to happen, but we're not going to show you as much mm-hmm. as before. And they actually met the VFX guy and the creator on Altered Carbon, another Netflix uh, show true. that demands a lot of sci-fi. I wonder uh, if I wonder if they shot the last scene and then they took that last scene, maybe some deleted scene of it, and put it in the, at the very beginning. I don't know. Are I'm you talking guessing. about the scene where they get thrown in because they look like diego's haircut looks yeah, way yeah. different than it does yeah, now yeah so. uh I, yeah that that's a possibility i will say that number five 
they did a good job of not making him look too much older, but he definitely is a year older. Yeah, but I mean, like when you look at something like Stranger Things, I think they did a better job here where it's like, yeah, he doesn't look too much older. I think that's just genetics. The kid's like 16 and he still looks like he's, I don't know, 14 or yeah. something from the, the thing. So as long as they can avoid a Walt from Lost situation, like season three on, I think they'll be okay. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, they can't recast for this show. And that's like, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's a good place to leave it. I think we've done a good job going over everything, if not in the most sensical way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, definitely out of order. But <laughs> but hopefully people liked it. And uh, listen in on our next episode, where we'll go back to our normal format, where only one of us will have watched it, and the other person will have done more research than I did on this show. So, <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye.